Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. What ho, pip pip, tally ho, jolly good. What a rum show, James Holland. Yeah. Check um, six. Check six. Um, hello. <laughs> Find me. Hello. Well, yes, exactly. Um, welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk um, uh, with me, Al Murray and James Holland, uh, presented to you today from the Bombay of a Lancaster bomber, which is... And we how ha- big is and that? And how big is it? It's bloody big, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, well... You can see, just, just looking at this Bombay, you can see why this crap's all over Dornier 17s and Heinkel 111s. Yeah. I mean, this can take... Well, it, cra- it craps, all over, it craps all over the factories that make <laughs> those aeroplanes. Yeah. Well, it craps over everything. I mean, I think, I think when, you ju- when you just stand here and you kind of walk down the Bombay, you are struck, aren't you, by just how absolutely enormous it is. Yeah. And also how complex each Lancaster is. Because we are looking purely at the Bombay here. There are God knows how many wires. Yeah. There are bicycle chains yeah. for dropping bombs. Yeah. You know, and that is just this. And then you think about how many Lancasters were built in the war and how many were flying over. And that literally every day by 1944, they had 600, 800 of them, mm. something like that, yeah. each of this scale. It does make you just sort of gawp in wonder about how this industrial output was achieved. Yeah. You know, particularly well, when most of them are coming from a little island that has spent half the war feeling slightly beleaguered. Yeah. Well, and but also it, it, it makes you uh, gawp at the thing Germany's on the receiving end of. Yes, indeed. Which is, I think, the other thing to the other thing to bear in mind. Anyway, but what is this aircraft, um, Andrew? <laughs> um, uh, if you watch the Mosquito episode, I don't know which one's come first, this one or that one. But if you watch the Mosquito episode, um, uh, you'll have met Andrew before. Who? Um, but this is your aircraft, isn't it? This is your, this baby. Is your baby. This is your baby. Yeah, absolutely. It's. Uh it's the whole reason we're here and doing what we're doing, this aircraft, and, uh, and what it symbolises and uh, means to us and the nation. Yeah, yeah. And what's the provenance of this airframe, of this plane, then? Uh, so this particular aircraft is uh, Avro Lancaster NX-611. So it was a Mark 7 aircraft, and they were built predominantly for Tiger Force to go out to Japan. Um, and then, of course, the Americans dropped the atomic bomb, so it never got that far. Um, so it never saw European theatre service. Um, it was set for um, the Far East and then uh, went into storage because nobody wanted them because uh, they weren't <laughs> needed out there. Um, so there's about, I think it was uh, 150 or so that were leased to the French yep. um, for Laurent Naval, which is the French Naval Air Force. Um, and she did a lot of uh, maritime work out there. Um, it's said that she bombed in Indochina, so Vietnam, when they're trying to keep their colonies and things. Um, so yeah, she, she's flown around the world. She went all the way out to Australia and the May Pacific Islands, all the way around there, and then flew back to the UK to begin Hill Air Show. Right. Wow, how amazing. <laughs> I mean, the other thing about this is I'm now, now touching the doors of the, of the Bombay, and you, and you feel that, and that just feels really, really thin. Yeah. Which, of course, is what it is. I mean, this is a kind of giant, complex tin can, isn't it? At best. Yeah. 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 And so uh, the, this aircraft, the plan is to get it airworthy, right? Yep, that's the plan. So at the moment, she taxis. So she, all four engines run, and she runs under own power. Um, the plan is to restore it to airworthy. Uh, we're three years into a 10-year project to do that. Wow. And, that, and that's sourcing parts, the, the whole panoply of tasks that you'd, you'd need to get this plane airworthy. I mean, do you, do you, do you, when you, if you find something that's 
uh, I don't know, corroded, you then have to find that part. Yeah. So you've literally taken it to bits and put it back together again in the search for the <clears throat> weak bits. That's it, yeah. We did a survey of it in 2016. We completely paint stripped her, uh, took all the bits off we could, surveyed it, put it back together again, repainted it, ready for the taxi runs again. Um, so from that, we created the plan of how to get it airworthy. And we're, we're breaking it down to bite-sized pieces. So we're very fortunate that the Lancaster is sectional. So it comes in a, about seven or eight major sectional pieces. Yeah. So we can take a piece at a time, do it, bolt it back on. So take the time. tail off. Look what look at what's wrong with the tail. Yeah. Re fix, replace, restore. And right now it's wingtips. Wingtips, yep, yeah, that's why they're not on. Yeah. And the biggest problem we found is um, British aircraft during the war used um, rivets that contained magnesium or magnesium right. alloy. And that just decides to disintegrate over time. So it just powders away. Right. So we're, we're chasing at the moment. That's not good, rivets. is it? Well, there's about a million rivets in a Lancaster, so... Oh, right, okay. An odd one. Um, by the time <laughs> you've done the last one, you know how to do them, so... Uh. <laughs> and, and, a million uh, is rivets. Is it like... Because wow. we, 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 we talked um, about how the Spitfires were made when we went to see... Um, when we went to Biggin Hill, didn't we? Yes. And uh, are they mass-produced like a Spitfire in the fact that actually they're all different? Or... Because, you know, the Spitfire then is... is built on a jig up to a point but then the rivets are all drilled individually by you know mary who's on on tuesdays and then harry who does thursday afternoons yeah. were lancaster's built like that as well yeah very similar um so it, as I said, all made in jigs but they all are all hand drilled hand riveted um, you do see differences between the the port wingtip and the starboard wingtip right. and, and various things like that and there's big differences between canadian built lancasters and british built lancasters right bigger than you'd, you'd imagine it's a little bit like a packard merlin to a rolls royce merlin yeah they're built on contracts so yeah right but yeah the, we, we can certainly tell with ours the history of the aircraft because for a long period she sat outside but with one side facing the sea and now you can see which side was facing the sea and which side wasn't because uh, right, the sea airs had yeah, a better go at it which, which yeah. side was it so it's the port side that faced the sea and so well, you're talking about these differences between canadian and british um lancasters but i mean like what is it um, small things presumably no some major structural oh. things really the Avro seem to like um, something called plug rivets. So you, you drill a, a bottomed hole, so it's not a hole all the way through the material. Then you, you tap it, so it's got a thread, and then you beat a rivet into it so it forms into the thread. Right. Um, the Canadians decide we'll just use screws, which is a brilliant idea, because to actually drill out a plug rivet and then re-tap the hole to replace a rivet is ridiculous. Yeah. But just putting a machine screw in is a lot easier. So yeah. uh, just very little, little but major things like that just make it so and much that, more difficult to and do. And that's Avro Canada going, no, it'd be simpler to do yeah. this. Yeah, we've looked at these drawings, we think that's a rubbish idea, we'll do our own. Right. How interesting. Um, uh, I still can't get over, though, how you go from being an air force that produces sort of canvas and wood and biplanes to, to, you know, within a decade producing thousands of these. Well, and then, and then 12 years after the, the first one of these, producing the Avro Vulcan. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, I mean, the thing I, I won't do my normal Lancaster bomber speech, which is that this is a stealth bomber. This is the absolute cutting edge technology of the moment. This is as good as it gets in 1944 in terms of electronics, in terms of uh, avionics, and you know, for a big aeroplane this big, isn't it? I mean, b before the B29, this is this is the jump ahead in heavies, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And if you think that the crews that were flying it probably didn't even have a driving license, and yet they were getting into the, yeah. the most sophisticated bomber aircraft that uh, the Allies had at the time. Um, uh, well, uh, I'm going to take up your cue there. Can we now get in the most sophisticated um, bomber <laughs> aircraft that the Allies had at the time? Absolutely. Right, brilliant. This is my guy Gibson moment. Yeah, you get to go first, James, because so I got to ride around in the Mosquito. <laughs> 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 yes, he's your guy Gibson moment. Pose heroically. But again, I mean, you, you, oh, tap, no. you tap it. Yeah. yeah, it's tinny. And I always think that the interesting thing about this is when you, when you get in it, 
there was just no creature comforts at all. No. This is this is for one thing, one thing only bombing. The crew were it's not incredibly that. cramped. The crew are like last on the shopping list, aren't they? Yeah. In this aeroplane, and and even even the sort of even getting out of it when it's going down isn't really a consideration, is it? No, I mean every exit has a problem. There's no, yeah. there's no easy way of getting out. Now, I'm going to put my phone torch on, Jim, because are you? It, it's coming. To, well, yeah, why not? It seems like a sensible thing to do. Coming to the end of an evening here, and it's very it's getting gloomy. Yep. Right, so I'm. This is the H2S, isn't it? That I'm. That's it. Stepping yep. over. Um, is there anything in the in the dome, or is it empty now? Yeah, it's got the scanner in there. Right. So wow. It's complete. It's, it's it's one of the only ones left, and of course it's fitted That's to amazing. a Lancaster where it should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm now going over the first wing spar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, imagine getting on this. You're about to go on your mission. Jim, you're you're you've gone over the first main spar. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And I'm in the dorsal turret. You've got a good view here. I'll say that. Yeah, it's very good. 360 degrees. Um, yeah. But two different sorts of turrets fitted for the length. So the Mark 7, like this one, had the American Glen Martin turret. Yeah. Which means it's about six feet further forward than oh, um, really? the Fraser Nash turret. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So to do with the weight and the centre of gravity. Right, right, weight and centre of gravity. So it didn't, it didn't throw the aeroplane off. Yeah. Right, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Right. But this is, you know, it's, it's yeah. just metal on the inside. Yeah. Lots and lots of wires are going everywhere. Lots of things to bang and scratch your head lots on. Lots of things to be shot out when you're being attacked by the enemy. Yeah. And then most notably, this, the, the front main spar, which is yeah. what? Two feet tall, probably, yeah. but in a, in a space that's, I don't know, four and a half feet high yeah. and you've got to get out over this haven't you with your parachute and in a panic and with the aeroplane yep. tumbling out of the sky then you've got very helpfully you've got a step here but that doesn't really massively help when you're as unsupple as i am <laughs> jesus Middle-aged men struggling through Lancaster. Is this what's this? Is this the radio here? So that's a radar set that's left that's over from a maritime work. Right, right, right. Okay. So wartime, that'd have been a rest bunk there for an engine crew member. Where well, we oxygen bottles were all stored there as well. Right. So this is the wireless operators. Yep. So just over the spar, there's wireless up on the yeah. left. Yeah. You see, these spars are everywhere, and this one's the worst of the lot, isn't it? No, no. This is quite comfortable. I mean, you've no, got a, quite a nice seat, a little wooden desk. Goner. Okay, so that was obviously some fluent morse. This is all right, comfort-wise. Not for eight hours, it isn't. No. <laughs> can't stand, you, can't, you can't stand up. You know, I mean, there's no in-flight entertainment. There's no. certainly no one uh, bringing you uh, peanuts and, an, and a cool, no. cool, refreshing drink. I think I'll go for the double shot of gin. <laughs> and then here we I are. people were smaller in the olden days. You, are you sh sh struck by how cramped it is, Andrew? Yeah, I've grown up with it, so it, it's the Lancaster to me, but um, yeah. it is incredibly tight. And when you see people struggling through it as, when they come for a ride and things, I think you then appreciate how tight it is for people. You, you tend to go through it enough times, you bang your head enough times to know actually how to do it in the, the most yeah. efficient way, but yeah. uh, no, it is extremely tight. But with your kit on, this would all be very difficult, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been in it with kit before, and, and just here next to the wireless operator's position, there's a a vertical handrail and it's extremely hard to get past there with the the Irving jacket the May West the parachute harness yeah. just squeezing through the aircraft yeah. I mean the thing that always strikes me Andrew when I go on this there are there is so much stuff here barely protected that can go wrong yeah if you think the, the outside skin's about 22 gauge so it's extremely thin 
and, and that's the only protection you've got against flak and anti-aircraft fire of, of all sorts. Down the left-hand side of your seat, there's two chromed rods. Those are the control rods, so they, those run from the rudder and elevator all the way down the side of the aircraft against the outside skin. So any, any um, flak or anything coming through, it's, it's easy pickings for that. Yeah. And then you've got a real problem on your hand. This position in particular, you're jammed under this table, aren't you? With all your kit on. It doesn't help as well. There's a, a fuel line that runs just behind you. Oh, right, okay. Spa, yeah, right, so. okay. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Hydraulic tank just behind <laughs> your head as well. <laughs> right. And then famously, no co-pilot because... You've got a flight engineer. It's a flight engineer because it's a twin-engine bomber, isn't it, that's been um, souped, souped up. Oh, look at it. And if you wanted a co-pilot, there's nowhere for him to go, so you just yeah. can't. Yeah, yeah. You just can't. This extraordinary thing, isn't it, that, you know, they've, they've bought the Stirling, they've bought the Halifax, and this aeroplane is, in fact, a sort of... Um, it's an accident, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, while the Lang turns into this, I mean, like we said a minute ago, is the most advanced bomber of its type that the allies have at the you know, this point of the war it wasn't the intention was it no but what i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm incredible I'm, I'm, I'm finding it hard to concentrate on that because i'm just thinking about the fact that you're 20 years old and you're a flight lieutenant and the skipper on this and look at it i mean you've got the end of the wings off at the moment but 102 feet wide yep 30 odd tons unloaded it's absolutely enormous, isn't it? And yet, look at all these wires, look at all these dials, look at all these things, look at how thin your protection is. It's just, I mean, anything could go wrong over yeah. Berlin yeah. or Nuremberg. Well, and or, it did. And, and of course it did. Yeah. And this is why 55,000 people didn't come home. I mean, it's, it's, it just offers nothing, does it, apart from a, a means to drop vast amounts of bombs on people. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break now. Um, from the interior of this Lancaster. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Um, if you can hear a, an ambience on the microphone uh, of a small room, that's because we are inside the cockpit of a Lancaster, and that's the Sound of our voices coming back down off the perspex around us. Um, James, you were you were you were waxing lyrical when we went to the break about being twenty-one year old, twenty-two year old in command of in charge of this thing, and also that that it's all it's all it's for is dropping bombs. It has no other. No, I, th I think you're just you know when when you look at it from the outside, you you just see this great big beast, don't you? Yes, it's awesome, mighty black. Thing. Yeah, and it looks enormous, and you, you stand under the bomb bay as we did five minutes ago, and, and you know you're, you're struck by how big that is. When you're in here, that that perspective rather changes because yeah. suddenly you're in a you know it's not cramped, but it's pretty tight up here, isn't it? And and actually getting here, uh, which as a skipper of a Lancaster, you'd have to. I'm sitting in the in the pilot seat at the moment. I mean, you you have to clamber over those spars. You've got your yeah. You know, you've got your Irving on, you've got your, your parachute, it's, it's, there's no creature comforts at all. And there's just so much that can go wrong. Well, well, what's, well I mean, what's well, clear the is, the, is really that the, bomb, the bombs get a better ride than the crew. Yeah, they absolutely that's what it, That's do, what it comes they? down to, cause, because the bombs, are the, the bombs are the most important passengers in this aircraft. The, the crews are the, simply the delivery mechanism, aren't they? Or the, yes. the soft, they're sort of the software 
um, in the aeroplane, the crew, literally, and they are the soft bit too. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm I'm in the I'm in the pilot you're seat. You're in the pilot seat. You're standing by the dicky seat, which is you know it's called a dicky seat because it folds up and down, and that's where the flight engineer would be. And the and flight, flight engineer is essentially a co-pilot, isn't he? He is. His job is to kind of control fuel supply, really, primarily. And um, I think he does, does. He the co-pilot does trim and things. Um, pitch. Yeah, it, pitch it, it all depends really on the the um, the teamwork between the pilot and the, and the flight engineer. Speaking to some veterans, some had the flight engineer do, do an awful lot. Some had them do nothing. Right. So um, <laughs> yeah, it all depends. Questions of taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. generally the um, the flight engineer is doing engine and fuel management for. If you want to coin it like that, yeah. And then you've got the bomb aimer down there in front of us in the nose. So, so you've got the cockpit here. It then sort of drops down so that you've got this bomb aimer's position, and he's got this sort of perspect eye. And it's right. It, you you sort of lean forward and just look straight down below you. Yes, there's this, an eye under the airplane which you can see through see through the um, through the uh, gap here that you use to get down there. And then yeah. the the perspex nose. And a turret as well. Does it? Does it? Uh, does he operate the turret as well when he's not when he's not bombing? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does. And then then you got the navigator. The navigator's here, just behind the cockpit. I mean, just behind the the pilot. Um, there is a bit of armour plate here. That is some protection, but <laughs> let's face it, not very much. I mean, what what's that? That's about it's high. five millimetres, yeah. something five, like six, that. Seven, seven, seven millimetres. Yeah. And then behind that, also on the pilot side, so all the crew are sort of on the right-hand side. The main, well, you've got obviously you've got the bomb aimers right in the middle. Then you've got the pilot on the on the left-hand side, navigator on the left-hand side, wireless operator on the left-hand yeah. side, um, and then you've got the tail gunner right back at the end. And you've um, and you've also got a um, a, a, um, a dorsal turret, yeah. which needs manning, and that's your crew. You know, it's um, you know, American American bombers obviously have ten men, have two waste gunners. Um, and, but I mean, again, we, we sort of talked about the spars on the way through. And a co-pilot, of course. Getting out is the. I mean, the, the, the thing I always think. This is, I think, my fourth or fifth time inside Lancaster. Maybe, maybe my sixth time. I, I, my mind always just immediately runs to how the hell to get out of this thing, when I don't know, two of the engines are on fire. Um, or, and then you're in a kind of you're diving and you're and diving and it's and and you're or there's someone on your tail or whatever. I mean, how did, so the pilot goes out? There's a, there's an escape hatch at the front, isn't there? It's a, so a forward escape hatch. Yeah. So under the nose of the the aircraft, underneath the bomb aimer's knees, is the the main front escape hatch. So that's where the bomb aimer, flight engineer, navigator, pilot are supposed to go out of. Um, you have to roll out of it in such a way that the slipstream doesn't pin you back to the uh, the bottom of the, the fuselage. Right. Um, yeah, and then um, the wireless operator is, is supposed to go down to the uh, the gunners to make sure they they bail out. Yeah. Um, you speak to some wireless operators; they did that. Some just came straight forward to the uh, the front escape hatch to bail out. Right. Um, the gunner goes out of the the side door that we board on the crew boarding door. And then the rear gunner rotates his turret ninety degrees, and rolls and out, jumps out the back of the right. Yeah. Uh, can you get out through this canopy? I suppose. Uh, there's a couple of hatches on the top, um, but they're more for ditching. So right. if you ditch into the sea, get out on top of the wings and into the dinghy. Yeah, and then you've got Norman Jackson, of course, who's getting out and climbing on the wing to put out the... Yeah. ..in the middle of a mission over Germany. Yeah. I mean, so he's getting out of the astral dome, which is just behind us. Yeah. So they, they smash that. He gets out of that. They undo his parachute and hold on to him while he slips down onto the wing. Oh, it's actually the other wing. It's that side. 
flip stands onto that inner port um, in, inner port engine, takes the um, fire extinguisher, tucks it into his suit, and tries to put it out. I mean, yeah, he does. He, but he get, but then they get attacked again, and he gets knocked off. Right. Parachute goes straight out, and he comes and he comes down very, very, very badly injured. He gets a Victoria Cross for that. Yeah. And frankly, why not? Yeah. I think uh, um, but but it's very funny because he was inter he was interviewed in the, in the 1960s. And he said, said said nowadays he said even if I come out on a, on a balcony, I get scared of heights. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but can you yeah, believe it? How how can you possibly do that? In the middle of a raid, you're flying in a Lancaster. The Lancaster's on fire, and you get out and walk across the wing. Well, I mean, how it's can you? Just I mean, there's lo lots of questions. How do you think that's possibly going to work? Is well, he does. It, he does use it in the axe, doesn't he? Yeah. So he, he uses it as a pick to yeah, kind of whams through the through the wing, which of course you can absolutely imagine <laughs> because it's so thin, and that's how he does it. But crikey, what a what a thing! Absolutely yeah. insane. And yet, um, sort of worked. And yet, well, but also, but the thing is, and 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 we we touch on this sometimes on the podcast. People still were persuaded to get into these things, and fly them to. Germany back, you know, obviously, or wherever, mm. and they thought it was their duty, of course. But, yep. but, you know, we've not described a particularly user-friendly environment so far, have we? Yet people seem to have confidence in these airplanes, and you, a lot of the crews say this was the best of the the best of the bombers. I loved these planes. I loved flying them. They were a dream to fly, yep. and all those sort of things that that don't quite square with the gloomy picture we've just been painting, do they? Well, I suppose it's also partly because, you know, nowadays when we go on aircraft, we, you know, we do have someone coming around saying, you know, would you like a gin and tonic? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and planes don't crash as often. They don't crash as often. They're not being shot at, <laughs> generally speaking. No. And they're pressurised cabins. But, but, you know, this is, you know, you were saying this is absolutely state-of-the-art for, for when it comes out in 1942, which it is. So if you're a crew member on it, you, you think, wow, this, this is state-of-the-art. This is really super modern. Yeah. All of which is, is the case, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that it's incredibly thin-skinned. It is still a tin can. It's still got lots of things that can go wrong, and of course did. But it's it, it, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, this this was this was the powerhouse behind Bomber Command. Yeah. You know, that's dropping nearly a million tons of bombs on Germany. Yeah. It's an angel of death. It certainly is. I mean, that's not your marketing strapline here um, <laughs> on the restoration project. No, I'll, I'll, I'll take that out of the, uh, the marketing budget. <laughs> um, uh, well, Andrew, thank you so much um, for allowing us into this. Extraordinary aircraft. I, I cannot wait to see this fly. I'm, well, you're probably more impatient than I am, but um, thank you for letting us have a look. And um, yeah, that'll be quite a day. Yeah, that'll it? be an extraordinary thing. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, been an emotional day for for us and hopefully for everybody as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Um, we're saying uh, tally ho. Um, uh, good night. We're off to the we're off to the naffy now, aren't we, James? Yeah, we certainly are. Really good. Think of you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>